You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon, and you're listening to Reception Perception. Oh, Matt, how are you feeling today, pal? I'm feeling good, man. Um, just nonstop work, you know, at this point. Uh, tra- <laughs> trying to keep up with things in training sure. camp. I am sure. Um, plugging away at the projections uh, so that hopefully uh, I can have the redraft cheat sheet on the site i'm hoping by the end of next week at the latest okay. so um it just you know and and then then keep charting away at guys man so it just it never stops but uh i'm excited i'm excited the season is almost here all right we've uh, got some data trickling down now um and the big one that uh, just dropped uh what was it uh, at the end of last week there was a cooper cup uh, the Cooper Cup profile is now found on the site receptionperception.com. But on today's show, by the way, not only are we going to talk about Cooper Cup, I'm super excited because uh, we get to talk to Derek Klassen, uh because quarterback oh, yeah. data. I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard. Well, we got quarterback data now. We're doing quarterback charting now on receptionperception.com. Uh, I mean, and Matt, you and I had talked about um, doing this for years now. But now that you've kind of been able to kind of sort of see some of the results come through, um, I, I just think it's such a – I mean, you talk about data pairing and just, you know, going hands in hands. It's peanut butter and jelly, baby. It's hot sauce and fried chicken, man. It just, it just goes together, man. It just, it's looking so nice. Uh, Cholula and scrambled eggs. Uh, there you go. So there you, there you go. Um, I, I, it's, it's great. I can't wait to talk to Derek later. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I've really enjoyed, like, checking out the receiver – um, route charts along with the quarterback route charts and just where these guys are successful. It's really great. And uh, man, I mean, just we want to, f- where's the tight end person that we can find, find to do this. Where's the <laughs> running back person, you know, uh, do we have the budget, right. uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like, right. man, right. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see. And, and, you know, I yeah. think the value and we're going to talk with Derek later, of course, but I think the, yeah. the value of this all is, you know, we're not, pro football focus or, you know, we're not, you know, these big data providers where we got a bunch of people trying this out. But I mean, Derek and I have spent years studying these positions and and I think mm-hmm. that's really valuable to have somebody like Derek who can not only chart the data out, but can tell you from like a football standpoint, what this all mm-hmm. means. So I'm excited to yes, talk with him. Later. Absolutely. Not all binary. It's not all zeros and ones, baby. It's not all pluses and minuses. A lot of context uh, goes into the data that we compile here on the website as well. But all right, let's get into Cooper cup here. 
Um, obviously had an injury-shortened season there in 2022, Matt Harmon. But this is a guy that, uh, for as great as he is, um, what an interesting player, especially in terms of reception perception, because generally, Matt, superstar wide receivers in the NFL are great against man coverage and really good against zone. Then when you start talking about Hall of Fame dudes like Devontae Adams, they're just freaking phenomenal everywhere, right? The Antonio Browns, the Devontae Adams, the Stefan Diggs of the world. Like they just, they win everywhere. But for Cooper Cup, he's a superstar wide receiver, um, was an absolute maniac in 2021. But really where he thrives is just that he's an absolute destroyer of zone coverage. Yeah, I think I've been saying basically since he got drafted that he has the most unique role of any wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, he's not even really just a slot receiver. Obviously, he lines up a ton in the slot, but they move him around so much pre-snap. Um, you right. know, early on in his career, it was not really uncommon to see him line up as like really close to the to the offensive line, even in like some tight end type ways, and like chip pass rushers before getting, um, you know, wide open in the flat on, on like against zone coverage. That's, I mean, just, there's no other superstar receivers that are no. doing that. You know, you're not no. seeing, you're not seeing Steph Golly. Diggs do that. You're not seeing Jamar <laughs> chase. I mean, even Justin <laughs> Jefferson, the whole talk right. about like Justin Jefferson being in the Cooper cup room. Like I love Justin Jefferson, but like he, he not doing that. You know, nobody right. does that stuff. Uh, the Cooper cup does, um, you know, last year he took, actually took a career low 46.6% of sampled snaps in the slot, but was in the backfield, both aligned at tailback and as a pre-snap motion guy on a career high, 11% of his sampled snaps. So, right. you know, he's just, it just doesn't, he just doesn't line up like normal receivers. Um, not like in a Debo Samuel gadgety type way, but just he has the most unique role of any receiver in the NFL, which is why it's like kind of important to remember that, yeah, he's not the same press man coverage beater that like Devontae Adams is, but right. he goes against zone coverage so much. They do so much work to get him away from press coverage that it doesn't really matter as much. And like there were times early in, in his career, James, that Cooper Cup was just straight up bad against press man coverage. Like mm -hmm. that that's you look at his early career reception perception data. That's definitely true. That's why it's like what Cooper cup unlocked in 2021 is not like, Oh, that was always there. And Jared Goff was holding him back. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, it, it just, it happened at the same moment that Matthew Stafford arrived there, that Cooper cup, like spent more time learning about leverage and routes and all this stuff. And, and he, but the thing is, you're right though. He has always been, one of the best zone beating receivers in the NFL. Um, the last two years, especially have just been crazy. It's just, it's just odd to me, you know, because again, when we start talking about these superstar wide receivers, most of these guys are, are, are extremely good. Um, I mean, we're talking a level talent here against, you know, man press coverage. And that's just not what Cooper cup does, uh, which I think to be, again, it's very interesting, but to your point, Matt, he, you know, he's, when he came into the, when you started charting him in 2017, 45.8% success rate versus man coverage. That's, that is just, that's abysmal. That's abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> so for him to now in 2021 have in, increased that score from 45% to, to nearly 68%. Um, that tells me this is a guy that has worked really hard on his craft. Yeah. 2022, 70.6% uh, success rate versus man coverage. Like, 
he's definitely gotten really much better. Um, I think more explosive as a player. I mean, that's the thing mm-hmm. with Cooper Cup too. Like there, there's I think he's in the Dallas game. Um, you know, this guy ran like a four six coming into the NFL, right? Yeah. Um, but in the Dallas game, like I remember just getting a getting a route over the middle, and he just outruns the entire defense. You know, like what's up with that? You know, where <laughs> yeah, where, where did that, that come, come from? from? <laughs> um, but right. you know, he yeah, he he's a guy that definitely took his craft to the next level against man press coverage. But the thing that he's always been good at is that zone coverage ability, and you know that. Like it was in 2019, he had an 85.6% success rate versus zone. That's incredible considering, again, how much he runs against zone coverage, 82.1% in 2020. And then, yeah, these past two years, 91.4% success rate versus zone coverage in 2021. That is the second best score in reception perception history. You know, we're talking over 400 players. We're talking since 2014. The only guy who's ahead of him is the – one and only Antonio Brown, who has the best success rate versus zone in RP history. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown's like a Hall of Famer, you know, right. top, yeah, one of the top exactly. receivers ever, right? Yeah. For yep. all the weird ways that his career went after uh, <laughs> after getting traded from Pittsburgh, uh-huh. still, right, 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 the beak right, of his right. powers, he was that guy. So Cooper Cup yep. is second to okay. Antonio Brown. And then even last year, 87.3% success rate versus zone coverage. That is at the 96th percentile. Like, that's just elite stuff. I mean, it's incre- it's incredible, right? Um, I think it's tough when you it is tough when you compare him to man press beaters, you know, like Steph Diggs and like Devontae Adams and like Justin Jefferson. But his ability to diagnose and beat zone coverage, I actually kind of think it's a an interesting way, like a little bit of an innovator because a lot of these receivers now they talk about wanting to play from the slot. Like I've heard Garrett Wilson has said this. Um, CD lamb has said this to me. Um, they want to play inside because they feel they can be on the same page as the quarterback. They can read hmm. coverages better from the slot with, with teams playing so much more zone coverage now than ever. I think that might be a really important trend to like kind of keep in mind here because that Cooper cup, like I think his dad was a quarterback. He grew up playing quarterback, like in the lower levels. And you've always been able to see that in his game that he reads coverages and understands the holes in zone. Probably I think better than pretty much any other receiver in the NFL right now. Can we talk about his alignment? Uh, basically the three-year trend is that he's uh, look, we obviously know he, he plays a lot in the slot uh, in 2020. He played about 35% out wide. Uh, 40% in the slot and then 27% lined in tight. Okay. So technically it'd be more of like, if you were to look at his alignment, you would say, okay, 35% out wide and like 65% he would line up inside. By the way, when I say he lines up inside, I generally count lining up tight and lining up in the slot as basically the slot. That's how most people would consider a receiver lined up in those areas. Um, And and again, so he goes from 35% in 2020 to 28% out wide in 2021. And then 40%, which I believe is a career high uh, lining up out wide in 2022. Um, It's interesting to me. Look, I know that he has developed his game. For sure. And, and it seems as if Sean McVay is trusting him more now with some outside roles. I think part of that has to do with the fact that in 2021, they had, a, they had, you know, a, a more clear um, roles for Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham Jr. And 
and I, I just felt like that allowed Cooper Cup to stay inside a little bit more. Uh, and in 2022, clearly that was a lot murkier. All right, so now going to 2023, Matt, uh, give me an idea of where you think he might line up and where, look, we know he's best inside, but can he, again, float out to the out? Did you see more in his game as an outside wide receiver in 2022 to warrant him moving and playing at a career high 40% outside. I think too that, you know, you look at the state of that receiving core last year, you know, they yeah. had Allen Robinson playing X receiver. We know that did not go well for Allen Robinson. Um, no. That's really not the role he should play at this point in his career. He honestly should be doing more like off ball and slot stuff, which he'll do in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But you can't really, you can't really take uh Cooper cup and play him at X. So Allen Robinson was the X because Van Jefferson was unavailable. I don't think him and Matthew Stafford played together at all last year, did Van Jefferson. So, and then you had like Ben Skoranek, right? The other guy right, that right, there right, was right. Ben Skoranek and, and he's yeah. not playing, he's not playing uh <laughs> X receiver. Ben, ben yeah. Skoranek was the player that every single time he caught the ball, you were excited. If you were a Cooper cup fan, you're like, Oh, Cooper. Cup. Oh, that's not, that's not Cooper. It's a different ben white Skoranek. guy. Yeah. That's another, the most effective thing he was doing. They, they line him up as like a fullback sometimes and like get yeah, him on yeah, like yeah. these sale routes, exactly. uh, right. Ben Skoranek. So yeah, the receiver core last year, like I, think they weren't flexible enough for Cooper cup to be like a full-time slot receiver. He had to play yeah. outside more. I think this yeah. year, when you look at it, I I really do think Van Jefferson is a very underrated player and I'd like mm-hmm. to get a profile up on him soon. Um, you know, I have his 2021 season up there. I'm like, I'm not talking like a superstar or anything, but I think he can like play at X receiver and he can be a vertical player and he can like stack defenders out on the outside. So him being there playing that X receiver role is pretty crucial. Um, they've got Puka Nakua, there is mm-hmm. like the I mean they still don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver you know Cooper no. Cup is still going to moonwalk into like what 180 targets this year <laughs> if he stays healthy um right. so like Puka Nakua the rookie they have there I do think he can play a little bit of slot a little bit of flanker so I still think Cooper Cup like probably should never be more than like a 50 per, like a 50 percent outside player and even then I think like we're probably in the safest zone for him you know 2021 28 percent in reception yeah, perception exactly um I think that's probably the best spot for him like the best usage there but if he is like a 40 percent slot guy 46 percent and you get him in the backfield more you like all this stuff there's just so many creative ways that Sean McVay has to get him the ball but I think to answer your question like there's enough in his game now against press man coverage where he can play flanker as well, in addition to being a full-time software. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, we talked about it in the previous episode this week, Matt, but uh, very happy to be joined now. Uh, by our latest contributor, our newest contributor, Derek Klassen, who, of course, uh, you could find his work on Twitter, QB Class, but he's been doing all this uh, quarterback charting for us, man. And uh, I know you share this sentiment with me as well, Matt, but I'm, I'm stoked, man. I, I'm pumped to have his content on the site now. Uh, yeah, I said this to, I might have said this on the show. Eh, who knows what I'm saying at this point anymore, but I might have said this on the show <laughs> earlier this week, but I know I said it to to Zach Miller, our, our, you know, rock star stud, uh, web manager slash Jack of all trades. Uh, I said, I was like, dude, I don't know if people think about this, like when they see all of the data that I'm collecting, but I saw, you know, all the data that Derek is collecting from quarterbacks. And I was like, Holy shit. That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of stuff. (laughs) This is a lot of work. And, uh, you know, no, it's just, it's good to be in the company and good to have, uh, Derek in-house at reception perception, you know, another sicko like me who not only is, putting all this work into charting uh, the film, but, you know, is also able to, which we're going to do today, like explain it in a way that it's not just some like nameless, faceless conglomerate data provider or whatever of of all this, but, you know, somebody (laughs) who can actually like tell you the nuts and bolts of what's going on. Correct. All right. So with that, we welcome in Derek Klassen. Uh, Derek, how are you doing, pal? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here now actually getting to talk about the NFL charting because the, the other episode I was on, we only really had my college stuff that I had done right. before, but now right. we're, we're into the, you know, what, what, what I got brought in here for. So it's, it's very exciting, man. It's good stuff. And, and I'd love to talk to you about the quarterbacks uh, from the college perspective, but, but you're right. Now we get into the, we go from college prospects to guys that are, you know, established in the NFL guys that have, uh, you know, been in the NFL for a while now. Um, and, and some, when we were talking about this yesterday, getting ready for today's show, uh, I would say, give me three guys that you think, um, you know, maybe kind of gave you some surprising findings. Uh, and the three guys that you brought up, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow and Geno Smith. I- I'm really interested to dig into that Geno Smith profile. Uh, but let's start with Dak. Uh, and I know the Cowboy fans are, you know, that, that listener are going to go crazy for this, but what did you find with Dak Prescott? So even before I, get, I dive into the charting, the thing I love about Dak Prescott is that he is a gamer. Like he hell or high water is going to make some of the toughest throws on the field. Um, and he does it with so much like pre-snap, like you can put anything on his plate post-snap. He is just like the quarterback's quarterback. And a lot of that kind of shows up in the charting, which is which is why I kind of appreciated what his profile became. I think the most interesting part to me is that he had a 55% success rate um, on throws against closed windows like you know tight window type of stuff um and he did it at a very high rate and that's partly because you know michael gallup didn't really have the same juice that he used to kellen right. moore scheme it's okay but like it does have some static routes in it and that can be a problem um in terms of like getting guys on the move and getting them open and stuff you need a lot more timing and stuff which Dak is good at but it really put a lot of stress on him so what was so interesting to me is that they put so much stress on him in that way both from a personnel standpoint and from a scheme standpoint. 
and he was phenomenal. Like he can just put it in a keyhole better than just about anyone in the league. Not necessarily in that like, oh my God, 40 yards down the field like Josh Allen, but just like throwing a dig route, throwing a corner route, a tough seam ball. Like there just really isn't anybody who does it better than Dak. And I think seeing that in that specific number was really cool. And then you even look at some of the specific routes. Like he was one of the better corner throwers, one of the better dig throwers. Uh, He was really good on outs and comebacks. Like he just, a lot of these throws, especially outside the numbers, even for a guy who doesn't have, he has a good arm, but he doesn't have, you know, a Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes type of arm. The fact that he can make all of those really, really difficult throws outside of the numbers, that to me is just a quarterback's quarterback. That's a big boy. And so I, I was really pleased to see his profile kind of represent what he really is as a quarterback. You know, Derek, it's funny hearing you say all this and like, um, I, I do at different points want to ask about like wide receivers and how they overlap with these specific quarterbacks. I think that's where like our data coming together can be really useful. Uh, like the Josh Allen, Gabe Davis one I posted on, on Twitter yesterday, I thought like made a ton of sense. Uh, but right. specifically with Dak, like, it's interesting, right? Because wouldn't you don't you feel like he's a guy that has evolved to that point? And I feel like he's not gotten enough credit for evolving to that. Like, I love how you say a quarterback's quarterback. Like that that should be the tagline for Dak Bros, like Dak Truthers. That that's <laughs> that's the slogan right there. He's a quarterback's quarterback. Because at different it, early in his career, right, he was kind of a guy that was viewed as like a caretaker. They had this great run game, but I almost feel like a lot of the reason that, you know, he led the league in interceptions last year, which I'm sure is what they're talking about every morning on ESPN, you know, is like that he does have that high degree of difficulty, kind of maybe lower percentage heat map or or like quarterback assignment, I guess, more than people give him credit for. Would would you say he's kind of like evolved into that player? Absolutely. And like he had some of it like in his rookie season, like as a rookie, they kind of gave him a lot of autonomy pre-snap. So like he could check in and out of runs and like they were doing it, a lot of that stuff. And you don't get that from a lot of rookies, which I thought was impressive. But in terms of what the scheme was asking him, no, you're right. It was a lot of he was kind of a caretaker. It was really just like get the ball to these couple of insane skill players that we have lean on play action, lean on the run game be part of the run game. You know, I think people maybe don't remember that he used to be a much bigger runner than he is now. Um, And so the offense was definitely different when he was younger, but he's definitely grown into being like, you can get into empty and he's going to do everything you need to do. He's going to set the protection. He's going to like call an audible. He's going to, you know, throw against the hot route, all that sort of stuff. Like he just, he's developed from being a guy who could kind of get you in the right play and generally do the right things to like, you throw out any concept, any type of offense, you could stick him on any team in the NFL right now, and he would be able to run their offense at the highest level. And it's just, there really aren't that many guys that have that level of of acumen anymore. Like, it's just really hard. And then you throw that on top of a guy who isn't the best athlete, but he's a good athlete and he can scramble. He has a pretty good arm, even if it's not elite. And he can do a little bit outside of the pocket to like create and stuff. Like, he's one of the best guys within structure and then has just enough to get over that like creation type of stuff that he's just, to me, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's, he's so phenomenal. Okay. So let me, let me go back to that whole pressure stat that you dropped there, right? So 61.4% success rate on pressure dropbacks. That was tops among all of the elite best signal callers in the NFL, right? So it was Dak one, Josh Allen two, Justin Herbert three. Again, just among just among the the top, the best of the best when we're talking about quarterbacks, 61.4% success rate on pressured 
dropbacks. All right, let me ask you a couple questions and, and, and give you, uh, I don't know, just my, my overall opinion on Dak, right? Which is, you talk about his, his pre-snap, you know, reading the defense, making the checks, making all the right calls. He's, he's a pro's pro, for sure, 100%. I think maybe, uh, what would you say to some of the critics that say, okay, well, after the ball is snapped, though, the processing speed isn't quite there with all of the elite guys, right? Um, and, and again, maybe this kind of plays into he didn't have a lot of wide receiver talent. But part of it maybe is he's not coming off of that first read that he thinks he has in the pre-snap adjustments. Am I fair in saying that? Or, or do you think it's just, again, centers more around the offensive scheme? And the wide receiver talent. I think it's a little bit of both. I would say it's to me not a processing speed issue. I think it's just a sometimes he is absolutely certain that he is right. And like at the very highest level, like Peyton Manning could kind of be like this. And that's why he threw as many interceptions as he did. And obviously that's the most extreme example of a player like that. If you want to go a tier below, like Jameis Winston was like that. We're like, he is a smart quarterback. It's just sometimes he's thinks he's smarter than he is and is like unwilling to budge. And I do think Dak has a little bit of that where it's like, it's, it's kind of the gunslinger mentality in the sense of like, he thinks he's right. He thinks he's seen everything that the defense is going to throw at him and he's just going to believe it and he's going to throw it and he's going to believe his guy is going to go win. And sometimes he's wrong, which I don't think actually happens all that much because especially before this year, he didn't really throw all that many interceptions. He had one of the lowest like career interception rates before this really wonky year. Um, and then I do think, especially last year, like there were instances where he's so aggressive and willing to throw a lot of these routes that can be hard to win, like a comeback route or a dig route. Like those aren't easy routes to win, no. but he's so willing to just like rip one to Michael Gallup. And like, that's cool when, you know, three years ago when Michael Gallup was one of the, one of the, when he was a better player last year, he just wasn't winning those routes consistently. And Dak was like, screw it. I'm throwing it anyway, because <laughs> on the chalkboard, this is the right yeah. throw and this should be open, but it just wasn't at the rate that it, it, it should have been. So I do think Dak has like, again, it's not to me a processing speed issue. I think it's just a little bit of one, he's, he's throwing a lot of high difficulty routes and concepts on top of a little bit of stubbornness. And so like, that's where you end up with this. That's where you can end up with what happened last year in terms of his interceptions and stuff. That's a really good explanation that I hadn't considered in terms of like mm -hmm. why he, you know, kind of had those, the higher interception totals this year. And, you know, you mentioned some of the throws that he's really good at, like comebacks and, and, and kind of those like the curl routes and the dig routes and stuff like that. Those are big time CD lamb routes too, right? Like 83.3% success rate on comebacks for CD lamb. Um, they actually don't have him run those routes as much. Uh, I feel like that would actually be great if he was running those more. They have CeeDee Lamb run a ton of post routes that are kind of those – they open things up for the, you know, little Dalton Schultz hitch route. But, you know, come on, maybe we could maybe we could do a little more. Um, certainly should have – you know, certainly should have some more uh, available options this year. But I, I wanted to ask you one thing about – you know, you mentioned Kellen Moore's offense, Derek, and how it can kind of be a little static with the route um, combinations. This is a little bit off topic, but – What's your level of like concern with we might get into week five and week six and the Chargers offense looks a little too much like what we were seeing last year with Kellen Moore, uh, what we got with Joe Lombardi. It's going to look different, but is it going to evolve enough? I'm hoping so because like the Kellen Moore is in a weird spot where I think overall he is a good coordinator and like he'll um, do a pretty good job of like mixing up his personnel. And I do think he does a much better job of tying his run game to his play action game and to his pass game than... Uh, than Joe Lombardi did. I mean, Joe Lombardi's 
the way they package not stuff hard a lot not hard stale. to get better than than what joe is doing in terms of <laughs> dialing those two together yeah like right. it just it's so it's a, it's a little bit different and more advanced there but there is still a lot of like they run a lot of curl routes they run a, they run a lot of hitch routes they run a lot of simple like out routes where it's very like the quarterback just has to know pre-snap and he has to play with perfect timing and play with uh, perfect ball placement. The good news is like Justin Herbert can do that. And we know that like, if he could do it in a worse version of this offense with Lombardi, I have faith that he can do it with Kellen Moore. What I'm really just hoping to see is like, can they find a way to stretch the field? Because that was obviously a problem with Dallas last year, right? They didn't really have a guy who could stretch the field. And that kind of constipated the offense in some ways, which I think was a problem for them. And that was obviously what we saw with the chargers. So I'm hoping Quentin Johnson can kind of help them in that sense. And then I think they're getting Jalen Guyton back, which I think should help them in that sense. So I'm hoping they have enough to get there. I think if they can get over that hump, Kellen Moore will, will probably be in a good spot. I don't know if they'll be, you know, immediately scoring 35 points the way that, you know, the, the peak Cowboys offenses were, but I don't think they're going to be nearly as bad as the, the Lombardi offenses. I think when I was going through this Dak profile, Derek, I think what struck me was the fact that uh, you mentioned that Prescott was just so good in the intermediate area of the field. Um, 69, uh, 69% success rate in that 11 to 15 yard range, and then 70% success rate in the 16 to 20 yard range. I thought that's really good. And you mentioned that those success rates in that middle area of the field um, was basically tops from 11 to 15 yards out and then third best among all the elite quarterbacks from 16 to 20. All right, now that being said, um, going over 20 yards, okay, that success rate starts to plummet a little bit. Uh, can you explain that one a little bit uh, for, the, for the listeners out there and, and talk about the, that area in, in terms of his weakness in his game? Yeah, that one is actually... I think a more interesting segue to like a broader point where as I've, as I've done more of the charting, I mean, I'm almost to like 20 quarterbacks now, the 20 plus yard area specifically holds a little bit more weight in terms of like the receiver pulling, you know, pulling some of the strings and holding a lot of the responsibility there. And I think Dak was actually a really good example because when you watch the Cowboys offense, like they just don't have a burner like that. Like they had like T.Y. Hilton for like a couple of plays, which when you're relying on <laughs> mid thirties, T.Y. Hilton, like off the street as your deep right. threat, not right. a good spot. And like for no. as wonderful as C.D. Lamb is, you know, top 10 receiver, the 20 plus yard range just isn't really what he does. And then Michael yeah. Gallup wasn't separating. So like to me, it was a lot more a case of like, they were just really struggling to find ways to get open. I think when Dak actually had like good chances and his guy had even just one step on a guy, I thought he was pretty good. It was just a matter of like, sometimes you cook up a play action shot and you need to throw the post and it's just not really open, but you kind of got to throw it anyway. And I think that was really more the problem that Dak ran into is just, it wasn't as open as it needed to be. But at a certain point, you got to force the the defense to respect it. And so I, I do think Dak's numbers can be better next year, assuming, you know, Brandon Cooks, I think Brandon Cooks actually is really going to help this. Uh, assuming Brandon Cooks is who we think he is, I do expect Dak to actually kind of jump up in this area. All right, so that's Dak Prescott. Uh, his profile isn't officially out yet on the website, but it will be out relatively soon. Uh, be sure to watch for that there. All right, what you can find on the site, though, is Joe Burrow. Um, again, I, I kind of wanted to break down his numbers because when I was going through the profile, what really struck me, Derek, is... His success rates versus man 
and then his success rates versus zone. In one area, he was kind of sort of average. In another area, man, this guy was absolutely lights out. Again, explain to the listeners out there, Joe Burrow, man versus zone. When you watch Joe Burrow, he just has such an unbelievable understanding of like how to anticipate, uh, how to use his eyes to move defenders, um, all that sort of stuff. Like he knows pre-snap where the soft spots in a zone are supposed to be. And he just does such a good job of, of beating it uh, both with, you know, I mean, his footwork is like incredibly crisp. Actually, that's like a weird tangent I want to make. When you watch some of the best quarterbacks, they actually do a really, really good job of like quickening up their footwork or taking shortcuts to where they can kind of almost segue a movement right into another one and quickly get the ball out. And Joe Burrow and actually Dak Prescott are really probably two of the best guys in the league at this, at like being able to shortcut stuff and and play a little bit faster. And that's, I think, part of why he's so, so good at making sure these zone windows don't close on him, even though he doesn't have the strongest arm. So that's really where Joe Burrow is just, is just unbelievable. And then against the man stuff, against man coverage, you're typically going to get tighter coverage. Um, just because of like the way that it plays out mm-hmm. and Joe Burrow kind of struggles with, with the arm strength thing. Like that's where arm strength matters is really just being able to drive the ball and making sure a cornerback a who's like in trail man coverage doesn't undercut an over route or, or something like that. And that's a little bit where Joe Burrow struggles. He just doesn't have the zip to do it consistently. He's not, you know, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league or anything, but when you stack him up to these other elite guys, that's just doesn't really have that club in his bag. He doesn't have the driver. And with the receivers too, like James and I have talked about this a lot on the show. I think that Zach Taylor should get a lot of credit for evolving this offense and kind of pushing it along, especially last year. I think they did a really good job about that, but the route concepts on this offense, Derek, they're a little like, <laughs> they're a little base. They're a little basic, right? I mean, they run a ton of go old routes. School. They run a ton of, yeah, they're, they're pretty old school. Like a lot of like, our guys are better than your guys and man coverage. You cannot cover Jamar chase. You cannot cover T Higgins on go routes on post routes, you know, some of these deep out routes, but it is a little, it's almost crazy that Joe Burrow and, you know, thrives so much in these situations from like a production standpoint, because it, you're right that like the, the arm strength isn't always there. So is there anything that, that like the coaching staff can do to sort of help Joe Burrow in these situations when he is, you know, hopefully forever, but definitely right now, you know, paired with these two monster receivers on the outside. Well, that's actually where I think the Joe Burrow discussion gets really interesting is I think, and I tweeted about this a little bit when I finished uh, charting Joe Burrow is to me, the next step for the the Cincinnati offense. And like you guys said, they've done a good job of evolving the offense from when Joe Burrow first took it over a few years ago to what they are now, especially like getting it more in the gun and really embracing all that sort of stuff. Um, especially compared to like what the offense Zach Taylor came from. The thing is, I think they probably need to get back to Taylor's roots a little bit and like be a better under center, you know, run the ball kind of team, be able to do a little bit more play action, be explosive that way instead of just like, hey, Jamar Chase, be bigger and faster than the other guy. Um, Because defenses just aren't giving them that as easily anymore. So I think they need to be able to kind of get under center and stuff. The thing is, like, I just don't think Joe Burrow likes that. Like he doesn't. Yeah. want to be under center right. he doesn't want to take those deep drop backs right he doesn't want to turn his back um and that in some sense is fine because he's so incredible at everything else um that it works for them anyway and they've clearly found an offensive formula and we've seen other quarterbacks function like this um like ben roethlisberger the late career kind of ben roethlisberger who was still good yeah. but i mean they were like 
almost exclusively shotgun, three and four receivers. We are slinging it around the yard. It actually feels very, very similar to that. And so I think to me, like the next step schematically for them would be like, find a way to get Joe Burrow more comfortable um, in that kind of under center, turn your back a little bit, just trust it and rip it, that sort of thing. A lot of quarterbacks don't like that, right? I mean, that was the push and pull between Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan the first year they got there. Yep. It was it was definitely a you know, situation of strife with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur where, where they had to compromise a lot. So it is interesting, a lot of these quarterbacks, like, and yeah, but I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was the poster boy of like, I'm not compromising at all. <laughs> yeah, there's no meat in the middle. We are not doing play action and we are not doing, we are, we are, I'm going to be in the shotgun, man. So I think that's interesting. A, a point, the point about like what happens next with Joe Burrow. I think that, I think that'll be interesting to track. It was so weird too. Cause big Ben actually did well in play action early in his career. Right. Right. When they, when they yeah, they pounded that rock and man, he would just, uh, he would rip those play action plays. That was great. Um, okay. Yeah, when uh, he was like 280, you know, and he was like 280 pounds and couldn't move anymore. You know, he's like, I'm not taking, I'm not turning my back. The defense getting lit up like that. Yeah, I, I get it, buddy. I get it. Um, all right. And then the, the last thing that you talked about was, uh, his, uh, basically his success rates outside the numbers. They didn't look that great. Uh, and maybe that part partly is, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with uh, his overall arm strength. And, and that's to me, it's an interesting one, right? Like, he knows his game really well. He knows his body really well. Um, doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but man, he does make it work. But some areas where, man, you just cannot get away from the arm strength thing, and, and that is certainly throws outside the numbers. Yeah, and that's the funny thing is if you go and look at his profile on the website, he's like green, I think, in like post-dig, curl, slant, like everything that breaks to the middle, he's fine because the, the receivers on the outside do such a good job of creating space in the middle and he's so good at anticipating right. and all that stuff. But all the throws like outs, comebacks, like even I think like flat routes, he's not that good at because it's a lot of like, yeah, you have to just drive the ball on a line. Um, and it's not even just like being able to, to get the velocity there. Like a lot of the times when you watch these throws that are outside the numbers, especially like corner routes, you really have to be able to blend velocity with like a good arc on the ball. Yep. And a lot of guys who have the, the weaker arm strength, they can only kind of end up doing one or the other where they either throw a floater kind of like Matt, Mac Jones does a lot or old Phillip rivers, or you have it like um, some guys will really just try to get everything they have out of their arm and really gun it and put it on a line. And then it just misses and has like a bad ball flight. Joe Burrow kind of struggles finding that line. And that's why I think he can struggle a little bit throwing some of these routes. I, I do think in a lot of ways, his anticipation helps him make up for it. And that's where he can get to like, okay. And so it's not like completely debilitating his game, but it's definitely, I think the weakest part of his game right now. It, it is yeah, really yeah, I'm, interesting I'm, too. Uh, <laughs> Matt, sorry, sorry let ahead. me just jump in. But when, but when yeah. you look at his route chart, man, it's like it's everything so <laughs> that's in breaking is green. <laughs> yeah. right? And the corner and the out are red and everything else is just league average. Right. So it's like, it, it's very interesting, man. When you look um, at the route chart specifically. And by the way, go to the website, receptionperception.com to go check it out. But um, really interesting stuff when you just take a look at it visually, uh, what's going on, going on with Joe. But Matt, go ahead. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm looking at my other screen right now, I've got Joe Burrow's success rate by route chart up and Jamar Chase's route percentage chart up from his reception perception profile. Like, 
I mean, if you love football and you're not you're not loving doing this, I mean, I, what, 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 are, what are we doing, <laughs> what are we doing um, here? <laughs> what are we doing here? There's no touching grass this summer, boys. There's only nope. looking at route charts. Um, like I, I, Jamar Chase, post route percentage three point one percent, dig route eight point five percent, curl route ten point seven percent. Like, and those are some of Joe Burrow's best routes according to Derek's yeah. data. Like, I, James, I was not as. You got to run. Yeah, them. we got to run them more, man. I mean, because yep. Jamar Chase can can win on those routes. You know, I'm, I'm look, and, looking and, at that too. And, I mean, Jamar has even told exactly. me. He even said. He even said. He yeah, wants Jamar to run more routes. Jamar told me at the Super Bowl that his favorite route to run is that they call it a blink route in this offense, where like it, you're you're selling go 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 and you stop you come and you, you hit that like curl route, the deeper curl route, like and it's only ten point seven percent of the, the the routes in the sample that I've got on Chase. So. Um, James, I was not as critical uh, about the offense as you were when we recorded the Jamar Chase episode, but now pairing this with, with Derek's work too. <laughs> and look, we're talking about like winning on the margins here. This is already a great offense and a yes, great team, and a great unit, exactly. but taking it to the next level where you win a Super yep. Bowl maybe is like, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I, now I'm a little more convinced looking at these two charts side by side. All right. So there you go. Um, and, and again, all of these uh, profiles, if they're not up, they're going to be up on the website. Um, and man, you talk about a value add to, to the site. It's not, we didn't increase our prices by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Subscriptions are the same guys, you know? So, uh, crazy value add here, uh, with the quarterbacks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. I really wanted to get into Geno Smith. We know, Derek, that he had just an unbelievable, you know, uh, comeback season, comeback player of the year uh, in 2022. Now, some of that, a lot of folks will say, okay, well, maybe some of it's Geno, but uh, how much of it is Tyler Lockett? How much of it is DK Metcalf? Uh, but what did you find uh, in terms of Geno Smith and his, and his player profile? Geno, just in terms of accuracy, like blows everybody out of the water. He is That's phenomenal in, in basically every crazy. area. He's incredible. Like He's one of the better guys in the one to five yard area. He's pretty good, like six to 10. He's good in 11 to 15. And then down the field, 20 plus, he's just crushes everybody. Um, and like when you watch the film, like I could feel it when I was charting him. Like, oh, he's going to be crazy down the field because some of the, the deep balls he throws are just the arc, the pace, the timing, like everything is so perfect. And a little bit to the Dak point, like Tyler Lockett and DK do a really, really good job of getting open down the field. But he also does an incredible job of taking advantage of those guys. And so like Gino's profile almost across the board it is super good. Like really the only blemish he kind of has is 
he's oddly really bad throwing behind the line of scrimmage, um, which I think was just a product <laughs> of like, okay. I think because it's like a smaller sample thing and like they kind of just got a couple of them, you know, jammed up between like, you know, maybe a defensive lineman gets in there, that sort of stuff. I think that can just happen. And so I don't really think that that was his fault. Like when I was watching it, I never felt that he was the issue there. Um, and then his third to fourth down uh, conversion rate was average-ish, like maybe a little bit below. Uh, and I do think a little bit of that is like, he doesn't have that much creation stuff. Like he has a little bit of it every now and then, but he doesn't have that like killer instinct, instinct, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson type of stuff. So that would really be the only blemish I have. Almost everything else he has here is just unbelievable. Man, that's, that's great to hear. Um, and I'm with you too, that like, you know, we just talked about Tyler Lockett on the last episode and, um, Lockett is is so good, right? I mean, I'm, I've been a right. Tyler Lockett fan forever, uh, but that, like, I think it was week five against the Saints. I remember, you know, Lockett getting open deep on, on this, like, big post route and, and you know, run, outrun the whole defense, and Gino just drops it right in there, like, deep, deep, that deep throw. down the field. That that throw, Derek. That I mean, throw that is was like, crazy, dude. It's one of yeah. the best anyone made all year. Like, <laughs> it, was an, it was truly an insane throw for not just how – how well the route was run and everything that Lockett did. But I mean, we used to talk about like the Russell Wilson moonshots to, to Tyler Lockett. That was one of those, but like, I mean, just perfectly like zipped in there right to where it needed to be. I was so impressed with Gino, you know, going back and watching these receivers. And I mean, look for people that are playing fantasy this year, like draft the Seahawks offense. Okay. Yes. Like yeah. be in right. on the Seahawks offense. Cause Lockett is a stud. DK's a stud. JSN's a good player. He's going to be, whenever he's ready to roll, he's, he's going to be good. They've got two, they go two deep at running backs. I think their offensive line looks pretty set. Really, the one question is just like, can Gino do it again? And according to Derek, like, yeah, he could probably do it again. I think he can. Yeah. And honestly, the last, the, or not the last thing I'll say about Gino, but one other thing I'll say too is the other, the only real area of the field where he struggled, like I said, other than screens, which was kind of a stupid thing, was that one to 10 yard over the middle. Well, guess what? They just spent a first yeah. round pick to fix that exact problem because last year it was like, yeah, they had these whatever tight ends and like yeah. they didn't really have a slot receiver. And like, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are good, but sometimes they shy away from the ball over the middle a little bit. So like they just, <laughs> oh, yeah. it wasn't the best situation for Gino to right. succeed in that area. Okay. But they just spent a first round pick to fix it. And I have full faith that like Gino mm -hmm. being not great in that area was much more like, the offense just didn't have that in the bag than it is a Geno thing. So if he fixes that and he kind of keeps up the rest of what he was doing, I mean, yeah, draft the entire Seahawks offense. All right. Two things I want to ask about Geno Smith. One is, did he always have this deep ball in the bag? I feel like he didn't. I don't know. I remember watching him at West Virginia and obviously his rocky uh, relationship with the Jets, but I just don't remember Geno Smith having that high arcing, moonshot deep ball in his bag i just don't remember that yeah like i think he's always been a guy who was a really talented thrower like the talent was there right like he could really spin it the velocity was great he had these flashes but the consistency especially at the nfl level was just never really there and no. i think a couple of things have kind of come together for him one i think whatever he's learned in the seven years between being benched with the jets to you know now starting with the Seahawks has really helped him kind of iron that stuff out I also think too you know like we talked about a little bit with um, Dak Prescott like 
just having dudes who get open does help you look a little bit better. But then I also think really a lot of deep throwing is like confidence. Like you have to just trust that your guy's going to be there, that you know exactly where he's going to be, how fast he is, all that sort of stuff. And I think Gino, like he's kind of playing almost with house money, especially last year where he was just like, screw it. I have to just play like I'm the best guy out there and I'm going to trust that my guy's going to go get it. Um, and I think he really played up to that up to that standard. And the way he carries himself, I don't see why that would go away. So I think he's going to be able to kind of do it again, assuming, you know, DK and, and Tyler Lockett are as good as down the field as we have seen them be for the last five years or whatever. Hey, listen, Derek, we're going to get you back on. Uh, and obviously, we've got another batch of uh, quarterbacks uh, soon to hit the site relatively soon here, man. So um, we'll be more than happy to talk to you about some of your findings. And I'm sure there's going to be some really interesting data uh, that's going to be dropping relatively soon here on receptionperception.com. Derek, we appreciate the time, man. All right. Derek Klassen was there. He's great. Um, and man, that was good stuff. Matt, I, I don't know, Matt. I mean, I, I hope the people listening to us can tell how excited we are to have him as part of the team. I, if they can't, clean your ears, man. Uh, we're <laughs> so excited. <laughs> we're stoked, man. All right. Hey, listen, uh, we do this every week now. It's called the option, the option route. The option, the option route. And this week's option route for you, Matt Harmon, are you ready? I, after last week and the whole baby situation, <laughs> no, I'm probably not ready. <laughs> this one's a little bit... A little bit more straightforward, okay? All right, listen, we're going to give you a 1000 bucks for free. Or, Matt Harmon, uh, you've got to go one full round. One full round with Canelo Alvarez. For every punch you land to his face, you win $1 million. But if you get knocked out, you get zero. Now, you could really rack up some millions here. But option route, Matt Harmon, where are you going? 1K or 1 million per punch landed? Well, I feel like you've got a better shot at this because you're, you know, you've at least done some boxing. I have yeah. never uh, done anything like that. I mean, I've hit a punching <laughs> bag a few times, you know, uh, I've gotten gotten some reps in, but like never sparred or anything like that. Right. So, yeah, right. Oh boy. By the way, if I had just taken the easy way out so far in all these option routes, I'd have made 10 grand the first uh, episode. Mm -hmm. I've made yep. 11, uh, made a, uh, made a, I'd be like, make $1,200, $12,000 so far. I could use, <laughs> hey, I could use $12,000. So, like, absolutely. I just keep, I just keep taking the easy way out. Like, this could be not that bad. But you know what? I will say, um, this is another one, by the way, James, where, uh, much like the Patrick Mahomes one in the first, you have to think about, like, just like if you got lit up after the catch uh, and, right. you know, from some NFL defender with the Patrick Mahomes one that we had a few weeks ago, this guy Canelo Alvarez smacks the shit out of my face. Like I, <laughs> I might, I might need some money for the medical bills. If I don't land any punches, you know what though? I will say, one I don't know if you punch. Hey, listen, no, here, punch. here's the thing here, here, here's the thing. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, I don't, I, I tell me exactly how tall, how tall you are. Cause Canelo I was just about five, to bring, I was, he's five, I was eight. just about to ask you this because he's five, eight. I'm, I'm like six, three. So I'm pretty tall. Um, so is that an, high, is, oh, it's a huge is that an advantage? advantage. Yes. A huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to have the height and the reach. Uh, Canelo Alvarez is five, eight and he fights around like 165 pounds. So you've got, you've got height and weight on on canelo alvarez and i'm sure there's going to be some schmucks the out way. there listening to this saying like i'm i'm six two i can land like two shots on canelo 
and just survive three minutes. That's all you got to do. You got to survive three minutes with one of the greats in Canelo Alvarez. Can you do it? You know what? Probably not, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give this one a shot. I will. uh, I'll get in the ring with this fella and uh, I'm going to try to land a few punches here because I feel like at least the height thing, maybe it's something. I mean, yeah, I've definitely got weight on him. It's not quite the same. I'm like 220 on a good day. So uh, <laughs> I, you know, how many good days are we having anymore at this point? Well, uh, well, hold I, on. Now. The, the reason I bring up the weight though, Matt, and people got to keep this in mind, c- consider this too. It's like, okay, if you get knocked out, you get zero. Okay. But if you're 220 pounds, again, size matters in these things, right? So if he, if he smacks you, it's obviously going to, it's going to hurt like all hell, but at 220 pounds, you might survive a couple of Canelo smacks. I am famously tough. People, people definitely say that about me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who those people are, but I'm sure there are people out there. You know, I know I'm going to risk this one. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to risk this one. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, I think I can, I think I can avoid. I, because the difference between this and the football thing, and I'm going to sound, I'm sure I'm going to sound like a jackass when I say this, but the difference between this and like catching the ball with Patrick Holmes and like, you know, all this stuff, um, I got to just try to get, not get my ass beat here. There's no yes, like, that's exactly right. And may, maybe land one punch, one maybe punch. land one punch. There's not as much like, okay, technique. I got to get open against, you know, an NFL cornerback. That ain't going to happen. You know, I got to, we, we, you know, we know we're not talking these little, all these, you know, goofballs on, on Instagram. Like it's just give me the pop pass. Give me the, give me this jet sweep. No, no, no. Run around like <laughs> no, a big no, boy. No, no. I can't yeah, do exactly. that. So I think I'm going to take a shot on this one though. I mean, if you think about the, the cost benefit, like it's either a thousand or like, you know, again, you're, you're trying to land so you could get a, a million, but, but what mucks it all up is if you get knocked out, you get zero. That's, that's really where it gets really dicey, you know? Um, First of all, it's just a thousand dollars. It's true. You're only missing out on a thousand bucks. Well, also you could get knocked out, which would suck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one thing we've listened to the the last two ones, like uh, my dignity with the baby stuff is much more fragile than like, (laughs) all right, I'll get my ass beat. That's fine. But I'm not, I'm not being a pretend baby. I'm not going to do it because there's absolutely no way I'm five, eight. And I, and by when I competed, I was at 155 pounds. So, I'm the same height and you know, the, the, the weight is not, I don't have the weight advantage. Right. So there's no way I'm just, just give me the one K when I'm talking about Canelo. Cause like, I'm not landing a shot on, are you crazy? Like, no. Oh, and there's no, a strong see. possibility. He's knocking my ass out in like 30 seconds. Okay. So we're not doing that. But I think if you're a little bit bigger, I think, I think it's, it might be worth the risk. Now that being said, I do wonder if you would actually land a shot. I want people to go look up Canelo versus Daniel Jacobs and just realize that here's another professional boxer who's like a a great boxer and he could barely land a punch. Um, One round Canelo knows that, you know, he, first of all, he knows that he, he, he's trying to stop you from landing a punch. Mm, I think you got less than a 1% chance, but it might be worth it. When you're talking about one thousand versus a million dollars, yeah, man. Now you got me watching this video. Um, this guy's moving fast. This guy's moving quick. Uh, he's, yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's one of maybe the best I'll just, ever. 
maybe I'll just take maybe I'll just take the um maybe the I'll just guy. take the thousand dollars too. I don't know that <laughs> this guy comes at me like that one time. I got a problem. But you I don't know. know. I, think, I don't know. You know, the other problem too is like uh again, forget about the headshots. Like if he if he cracks you in the ribs, you're going down. It's over. Yeah, oof. You know? Oh, ooh. That that one I just saw. <laughs> Never yeah, mind. He's, <laughs> Give yeah, me the thousand dollars. Okay. There. <laughs> Oof. By the way, that's the correct answer. I'm, I'm trying to. I was trying to gas you up a little bit, you know. But nah, that the correct answer is to take the 1K, man. Uh, but anyways, if you if you think you could go one full round with Canelo uh, and land a couple of shots or land even one shot, uh, obviously find us on Twitter and let us know uh, what you guys think. But that's going to be it for the show here today. <laughs> that's your option route. That's your option route. 1K or one million to land a shot on Canelo. All right. Anyways, uh, that's the show. Great show. We appreciate Derek Claston, uh, coming aboard, but man, you talk about a, a great value, uh, that we've got going on with the website right now. Um, man, quarterbacks, I mean, you know, we're, we're adding quarterback value, uh, to a site that's already got the best wide receiver information in the game. Matt Harmon, this is, this is good stuff, man. This is good value. Hell yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Didn't raise the price. I sent, uh, so not one cent, same, not one cent. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty great stuff. I I've been enjoying reading it myself. So especially after that Geno Smith stuff, I'm oh, I was man. very into the Seahawks this year and I am even more so now. I know, right? Like the point that you made that, Hey, listen, it's not a flash in the pan that this has got some sustainability to it. And Derek class had proved it, right? Like that's really what, uh, I think is going to be interesting stuff. So, uh, anyways, like I said, we could go down this rabbit hole for, for hours and hours with all this new data on the site, but go check it out. Receptionperception.com for Matt Harmon and Derek class. And I'm James go. We'll see you.